From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. That, that plane crashed, Johnny. Did you hear? Yes, I just turned off my radio. Oh, it's horrible. Well, who is this? Oh, I, I'm sorry. It's Sam Harris, Columbia. Oh, sure. Does your company carry the policies on that airline? Yes, but I'm not thinking of that. That crash was planned. They're definite about it now. Yes, an explosion, some kind of a bomb. There were 13 people killed in the plane. They don't know how many in the houses it crashed into. We've got to place responsibility. The company wants to do whatever it can. We've got to find whoever is responsible. Sure, Mr. Harris. You want me to go out? Yes, we do. Their airline representative is a man named Reed. Go out and do everything you can. Edmund O'Brien in the transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Columbia, or Risk Insurance Company. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the fairway matter. Expense account item 1250, cab fare to the scene of the plane crash, which, as you know, covered quite a bit of territory. The fairway airlines plane had taken off at 8.20 p.m., had reached an altitude of no more than a thousand feet, and then had crashed, setting afire two houses a short distance from the Springfield Hartford Airport. I got there a little after 9.30. One house had been partially saved. But the other had been completely demolished. A family of four living in it had been killed. The parents of one child in the first house weren't expected to live. And beyond, twisted pieces of the plane were scattered across the field. Fragments still smoking and turned white by the foam from chemical extinguishers. There's nothing you can do here, Mr. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. I'll, I'll 
see you later. Yeah. I remembered Captain Jim Lenhardt from a case we'd shared last year, and I found him in the group of silent men. The silence and the expressions told better than words how they felt about the row of sheet-draped bodies on the ground. How was Reed making out? I thought he was going to pieces a little while ago. He's still in pretty bad shape. Well, he's not alone. But for us, anyway, Dollar, it could have been worse. The plane could have been filled. Yeah, that crossed my mind. And you and I are thinking together, Captain, that our approach will be to find out if we can which victim was the planned victim. Well, with what we have now, I don't see any other way to start, do you? No, no. The possibilities, as I see them, are murder with a motive, suicide disguised, or a homicidal maniac. That must cover I have men covering the airport and a two-mile circle around it. Their orders are to question everybody they spot and search every car. That's about all we can do tonight. Yeah, I'll see you in the morning, then, if it's all right with you. It sure is. I'm glad to have you on the case. I'll meet you in my office at nine. Good. No, there's another ambulance. And get the rest of these poor devils into the morgue. Try to find out who they are. Next morning, the official findings were released. The explosive had been nitroglycerin. It had been detonated by some electrical means, which it was assumed was connected to a timing device that had not yet been found. Captain Lenhart's men had questioned a number of suspicious characters near the airport without result. But he himself had received an anonymous tip on a possible suspect. A Wilbur Wheeler, who was a member of the ground crew that had serviced the plane just before its takeoff. Wheeler was shown to the captain's office about 40 minutes after I'd gotten there. Why'd you pick me to come up here? Why didn't you get Straker or Mills? They're over me. It's just routine, Wheeler. Routine? But you must have a reason. I, I got a right to know if you got a reason, haven't I? What do you think we started with you? Well, I'm asking you, aren't I? Don't be evasive, Wheeler. Can't you say you don't know? The stewardess who died in that crash, Shirley Goodhue. I know. I know it. We understand that she meant something to you. Weren't you in love with her? Yes. We understand that you made quite a pest of yourself phoning her at home, waiting for her at the airport. And then a week or so ago, you learned she was going to marry the co-pilot who was killed. Uh, uh, what's his name? Bill Strand, wasn't it, Wheeler? Yeah. You're saying that you think I caused that crash, aren't you? You wanted to know why you were here? I told you it was just routine, Wheeler. And it would have been if you'd acted differently. But it sounded as though you were trying to hide some facts from us. Well, I won't anymore. I don't, I don't have any reason to. Then why did you? I don't know. I've been going crazy since I heard about it last night. I was still at the field, and I, I got sick, and I had to go home. Yeah, we heard about that. I got home, and I turned on my radio. And then I heard what caused the crash, that explosion. I knew that a lot of things I've said and a lot of things I'd done were going to make trouble for me. Even getting sick and coming home was bad. What were some of the other things? I said some pretty bad things to Shirley when I heard she was going to marry Strand. Then I had a fight with him. You had a fight with him over the same thing? I guess for me it was really over that. He ordered me around one day and I didn't like it and that's how it started. He beat me up pretty bad and said he'd have my job. And I told him that I'd see the day as plain with him in it. It would be plastered against some hill. I know what it sounds like now, but it didn't mean anything. It was just talk. There's plenty of that, all right. You heard enough, Bella? Yeah, I think so. That's all, then, Willie. I can go? Yeah. Nobody would be stupid enough to compromise himself the way you did and pull a job like this. All right. I sure made a lot of mistakes. I know that. Yeah. Just be around or we can find you if we want to talk to you anymore. All right. 
I can't go back to that airport, sir. I was going to call him and quit if it's all right with you. Just be where we can find you, that's all. I will. I'm sorry. A lot of people are, Wheeler. I know. Well, goodbye, Wheeler. Thanks for coming down. Yes, sir. What do you think? Uh, the only reason I say forget him is because he's the first one we've questioned and things don't work out that way. Yeah. Collins, uh, the man just leaving my office. Name is Wheeler. Wilbur Wheeler. Have two of the boys get on him and stay. I'll arrange to relieve him tonight. Yeah, thanks. I'd like to know what's in his background. I'd like to get a psychiatrist's reaction, wouldn't you? We'll learn about it. Now, let's get on this list of passengers and see what we can get from their survivors. We spent the rest of the day in the efforts of six more of Captain Lenhart's men preparing files on the ten dead passengers. One file contained nothing but a name, Rupert Stone, gotten from the ticket office records as that of a man who had paid cash for space to Augusta, Maine. The Hartford address he had given was non-existent, and the phone number rang a bakery where no one had ever heard of a Rupert Stone. That one we dropped until the accurate identification of the bodies was complete. Lenhart and I started out to follow up a couple of the others that evening. Check. Mrs. Graham? Yes. And this is Mr. Dollar. I'm Captain Lenhart of the State Police. We'd like to talk to you about the death of your husband. No. I've talked too much. It only keeps in my mind the things I saw in that field. And the women crying. We know, Mrs. Graham, but it's our job to fix the responsibility. We only want to ask you a few questions. You'd want to help find whoever caused all those deaths if you could, wouldn't you? How can I help? Uh, may we come in? All right. But only a little while. I haven't slept. Thank you. No, Skipper, be quiet. He knows. Poor old dog. Very soon he will die. Then I'll be alone. Oh, please sit down. No, thank you, Miss Grant. Yes, yeah, yes, thank you. Uh... Uh, Mrs. Graham, your husband. Yes? Uh, well, he, he bought space to Boston, didn't he? Yes. His brother's buried there. Oh. He was a religious man. Quite often he would go to visit his brother's grave. I see. Uh, I think that's all we needed, wasn't it, Dollar, to, to recheck his plan? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I think that was all. Yeah, I, I think we'd better go. We're sorry to have bothered you, Mrs. Graham. And, and uh, thank you very much for seeing us. All right. Uh, yes, thanks very much. Uh, oh, oh, don't bother to get up. You don't have to come to the door with us. Good night. Good night. Good night, Mrs. Graham. Quiet, Skipper. He won't come back. I couldn't cut it. I think that dog did it. Sorry. Don't apologize to me. How did... This hasn't happened to me since I was a rookie. Forget it. But grilling a poor old woman to find out if her husband's cancer might have driven him to suicide. I couldn't go through it. A whole rotten mess. Ah. I think it's getting us all. Why don't we have a couple of drinks on the way downtown? Forget it for tonight, huh? Or try to? That suits me. You know Al's on Front Street? Yeah, it's fine. Anything. Well, let's go then. I'll phone him from there and have Collins check me off duty. 
guess I'll have to waste mine, because it seems I'm not off-duty. What happened? Now we're back to that stewardess again. The explosive has been checked in her equipment. The lab men say some twisted metal they found used to be a first aid box. They think it was in there. That brings Wilbur Wheeler back again, too. Huh? He's been picked up right now. I don't think I need this drink to get through a session with him. Turn you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Lee Tracy plays his rollicking screen role of Hilda Johnson, newspaper man, in Hector MacArthur's perennial comedy, The Front Page, tomorrow night on CBS Broadway Playhouse. It's an all-fun cast headed by Lee Tracy as Chicago's Hector MacArthur farce about crime reporters comes to life once again on Broadway Playhouse, tomorrow night over most of these same CBS stations. Now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Did you locate Carl Reed, Dollar? Yeah, he was at home. Poor guy's been under doctor's care, but I think I got what we need. How have you two been getting along? Yeah, Wheeler just got here. We were covering the point of whether or not I have a right to have him brought down here. Maybe I'm wrong. You are. Didn't you want to come, Wilbur? I guess I don't like the idea of being loaded into a police car twice in one day with everybody in the block gawking at me. A lot of people have been loaded into police cars today, Wheeler. They were glad to come in and do anything they could to help clear this thing up. Well, I want to help, too. I, I didn't mean it that way. We're glad to hear that. How long have you worked for the Fairway Airline? About a year and a half, I guess. What'd you do before that? What do you mean? You, you still think I had something to do with that crash. That's what you mean, isn't it? We'd like to find out who did. Wouldn't you? But you think I did it, and I didn't. I, I told you I didn't. Even you said I didn't. And it sounds like you've got nothing to worry about, so calm down and answer our questions. I want to know why you're asking questions like that. Why did you bring me back here? Because some new evidence has turned up. That's why. What does that have to do with me? It has to do with Shirley Goodhue. I don't know what you mean. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I told you everything there was about her and me. Did you know that she carried a first aid kit aboard the plane last night? First aid kit? I, I don't know what you mean. You don't? After working there a year and a half? What did you do on the plane? We brought food on, checked the water and a few other things. Uh-huh, things that the stewardess would be involved in. She'd be there with you, wouldn't she? Yeah, but I, I don't know what you're driving at. I, I don't know what you mean. In the back part of the plane? Yes. Shirley was there, and you were there last night. Yeah, but I wouldn't... Where did she put her first aid kit, Wheeler? Why do you ask me that? I, I, I don't remember. I didn't notice. They had a place they kept it, but I didn't notice. Was it open? I don't know. What was in it? If I knew what you meant, I don't know why you're asking me these things. I talked to Mr. Reed, so I know about these things. Fairway is an unscheduled airline, so they have their own particular routines. One of them is that this first aid kit is the stewardess's responsibility. Each one is a kit. They take it off the plane when they leave, and they bring it aboard when they report for work. I don't know what you're talking about. The explosive wheeler. The nitroglycerin that was hidden in that first aid kit. I didn't put it there. That's what you mean, but I didn't do it. I, I, I didn't know anything about Enough it. Enough explosive to tear out the whole tail of I didn't do it. I didn't. Thirteen people in that plane, Wheeler. Four people in one of the houses it crashed into. Probably two more in the other. I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't do it. <laughs> 
Wheeler was turned over to the police psychiatrist because we couldn't get any farther with him. And a lie detector test was arranged for the following morning. The web that was tightening around him was only circumstantial. And the question was, did he know that he could keep on saying he hadn't done it and that we couldn't do anything without physical proof? Or was he innocent? Our last move that night was to go to Wheeler's room. We were looking for wire that could be checked to that used with the explosive. We couldn't find that or anything else that could be a definite help. But a couple of things we didn't find seemed strange. Hey, he said he came home and turned on his radio. Well, there isn't a radio here. Maybe we've got him on a real line there. Yeah. Newspapers, Leonhard. Can you find any? Well, I hadn't noticed. No, there aren't any. Unless he's got him out of sight someplace. Why would he do that? Hmm? Not in the waste paper basket. You'd think a man as closely connected to this as he was would want to find out what the papers were saying, wouldn't you? Guilty or innocent. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know, Dollar. I'm, I'm bushed. Let's drop it for tonight. Huh? I'm ready. Yeah, we'll try him again tomorrow. I'll drop you at home and see you about nine in the morning. Next morning, Lenhardt and I talked to the psychiatrist who'd spent a couple of hours with Wheeler. In technical terms, what he said was that Wheeler was definitely suffering from a severe guilt complex. But whether that meant he had actually committed the crime or had only wished secretly that harm would come to Miss Goodhue wasn't clear yet. In terms of evidence, that meant nothing. The lack of a radio or newspapers in his room, the doctor tossed off as meaning merely that Wheeler was hiding from actuality. As Captain Lenhart put it, if that doctor thinks he helped my mental condition, he's wrong. That afternoon, there were two developments. The first one was the report that the results of Wilbur Wheeler's lie detector test were negative. But his reactions put the mark of guilt all over him. The second came from the fairway office of Carl Reed. He'd been unable to locate another of his stewardesses, and when finally he'd sent someone to her apartment, she'd been found, shot to death. We met Mr. Reed at the scene of the second crime. I, I simply had to get back on the job today. Two of our flights were delayed yesterday because of my going to pieces. You better watch it now, Mr. Reed. I don't know if I... Take it easy. You try to phone this girl and tell her to report for one of your flights. And when you sent somebody out here, she was found dead, right? Yes. I hadn't tried to contact Alice before because I knew that she and Miss Goodview had been close friends. And I knew she must have felt almost responsible for her. Death. Why, Mr. Reed? Why? She was scheduled for the flight the other night. I thought you knew that. No, we didn't. I wish we had. But I told you that, that night at, at the scene of the crash, I was talking to her mother, Mrs. Goodhue. Yes, I remember that. You, you said she thought there was a chance that her daughter wasn't on the plane. I told you the other girl was scheduled. No, to... Mr. Reed, no. You made it sound like Mrs. Goodhue thought her daughter was on a different flight. You didn't say anything about another stewardess. Oh, good Lord. It's I... all right. It's all right, Mr. Reed. The human mind isn't infallible. But it can correct its mistakes. Oh, go on. Tell us now. That, well, that's all. With everything else, I suppose it didn't seem important. I know our procedure is less exact than the larger companies. The girls often traded flights. When did you find out about this trade? Not until Mrs. Goodhue told me that her daughter had gone to work that night. You didn't discuss it with her by any chance? Oh, I, I didn't discuss it that night. And, and, uh, well, I think we'd better go see Mrs. Goodhue, darling. I think so. 
Sergeant Collins over there will be in charge here, Mr. Reed. He may want to ask you a few more questions. Yeah. All right. Collins. Yes, sir. I'm leaving. I'll see you at headquarters. Right. Hmm. You know what this probably means? The case against Wheeler is shot. The second stewardess, that's a pattern. Everything we've tried to do has been for nothing. Mm-hmm. Circumstantial evidence sometimes does that. Mm-hmm. But we were close. We settled on a stewardess anyway, as the intended victim. Yeah, but it doesn't help to think that maybe all those people died because of a mistake. The wrong stewardess died in the crash, and the killer had to come back to take care of the right one. <laughs> I'll tell you anything I can. Well, we've just learned that your daughter wasn't scheduled to be on that plane, Mrs. Goodhue. No, she wasn't. Do you know why she happened to be? We understand that she and Alice Turner exchange flights quite often, but do you know how it happened the other night? Well, no. Shirley was here at home, and the phone rang. At what time was that, please? Oh, I hardly remember. We'd had an early dinner. The plane took off at 8.25. How long before then? Well, an hour at least. No, it was less than that because Shirley left in such a hurry. So what did she say? Well, she said that one of the girls was sick and she was going to take her place on a flight. Just up to Maine and back, she said. She said she'd be home soon after midnight. I've, I've never liked rushed decisions and I've always worried when Shirley left in a hurry like that. She did it quite often? Yes. Yes, they all did it. Six of them live here in Hartford. I never liked it. Did she trade more often with Alice Turner than the others, do you know? Well, I don't think so. No, it was an agreement, almost a code. If one of them couldn't work, one of the others would fill in. Well, then it's possible that Alice Turner called some of the others before she called your daughter. Yes, it, it is possible. <laughs> and I wish that I... <laughs> Naturally, the hope that Captain Lenhardt and I had was that we'd find another of the stewardesses Alice Turner had talked to and learn the reason she had wanted to get out of the fatal flight. We didn't. She hadn't called any of the others, and we were left with nothing. Nothing but the prospect of starting the whole investigation over from the beginning. The enormity of the crime had been in all of our minds from the first night. We'd never thought it might have a positive quality, but it did. The horror of it led to the solving of it late that afternoon. Lenhardt and I had found no place from which to start over. I went back to my apartment building, and in the corridor just outside my door... Is your name Dollar? Huh? Yeah. Can I help you? I want to talk to you. Uh, I think we better go inside, huh? I'm pretty busy. I know you are. I know you are. I want to talk about the plane explosion. Oh? All right, come on in. Now, look, I can't stand it anymore. I read about Alice Turner this afternoon, and I I can't stand it, that's all. What do you know about it? Just that, all, all those people killed, killed for nothing. And I'm partly to blame, too. Uh, I'm ready to give myself up. Why did you come to me, then? Why did you go to the police? Well, you can talk to somebody like you. The police are always building the case for the state. Okay, I'll get you anyway. But you'll know what I really said. Go ahead. His name is Church. Arthur Church. Who is Arthur Church? He's the chief pusher for a, for a bigger narcotics outfit than you ever thought there was. We've had a few cranks in this case already. I'm no crank, no crank. Alice Turner was carrying the stuff for him. She wanted to get out and church one letter. 
She's got smart. She set up a meeting with a federal man the other night. That's why she was killed. All the rest. Doesn't make sense. If she'd made this date, don't you think the Federals would have been in on this? Alice didn't tell him who she was or, or what she did. How do you know all this? I'm the one that told her church was on her. I told her to drop it, not to go. That's my part of it. I told her church was on her. That he'd stop her some way, some way. I told her to drop it no matter what. I don't like it. Why would she put Shirley Goodhue on the spot? Well, Alice didn't know what would happen. I didn't know. Who could know he'd... Well, he'd do anything like that. Why did he? If what you say is true, he could have stopped her some other way. That's my doing, too. I kept her out of sight. And the other night, I, I, I told her to do anything to stay where she was and, and not to go to the field. She believed me then. I called Shirley Goodyear and told her she was sick. And that's why she didn't go. Do you know where the explosive was that wrecked the plane? I read today. The first aid kit. That's where Alice carried the stuff. And it was her kid. How did the good you girl get it? Because she was called at the last minute, and Alice had her things in the locker at the field. Oh, now look, Mr. Dollar, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't telling the truth. It's a peddling rap for me. But I've been reading these stories about the people that got killed and the families that are left. I couldn't take it. Couldn't take it. I knew the truth. And then when Alice was killed, there was no reason for not telling what I knew. Are you ready to go to the police with him? You heard what I got to say. I'm giving myself up. You're a witness to that. You know where this other church is? Yeah. Yeah, he and I, we live together. And you'll come with us? If I have to, sure. Sure, I'll, uh, I'll take it to him. Sit, this is where I left him. You go in then and tell him who's here. All right. Just call him naturally now. All right. All right. Are you here? I'm here, you dirty. Expense account item two, miscellaneous, $23.45. Expense account total, $25.95. Remarks? For the cost of the other people, the total hardly seems important, does it? I think it would be easier to forget the $25 than the rest of the matter, so let's do it. It was truly Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen in the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Peter Leeds, Ray Hartman, Martha Wentworth, Bill Boucher, Victor Perrin, and Virginia Gregg. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. Inviting you to join us next week at the same time when Edmund O'Brien returns as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Every time you buy a United States defense bond, you help in our defense effort, and you help build your personal security. 
Yes, defense bonds are good for you and good for your country. Remember, defense is your job. Bye, you.